everyone, and welcome to this, the eighth edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Recorded June 20th, 2012, the first day of summer. I'm Tom Maiavino of Tom'sWorkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the program. Joining me today are from Hotlanta, Georgia, the home of Coca-Cola and the birthplace of the Modern Woodworkers Association, Chris Atkins from High Rock Woodworking. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? Good, Tom. How are you doing? I, I feel like I've gotten all my technical bugs worked out. Uh, I'm having some trouble recording me for recently. Some my, my sounds are all sounding terrible, but I think maybe we're getting to the bottom of this and trying to figure it out. Um, everything cool in Atlanta, or, or at least everything's warming up in Atlanta, right? It, it is definitely getting hot in Atlanta now. Everything's warming up. We're hitting summer, so it's uh, been a busy, crazy time of year for me right now, so uh, a little slow getting everything going, but um, you know, starting to get caught up and seeing if we can get all this going and get the podcast moving on and get a little bit of work working done, too. Yeah, I kind of like that. Just have a couple of those uh, mint juleps on your front porch <laughs> under, under your live oak, and you should be okay. I don't know. I'm kind of a straight straight drinker. I, I, okay, I hate drinking well. anything. Come oh, on. well, if you're going to be that way, come on. You're living in Atlanta. you got to go by what they, what they sell. That's um, right. All right. Now, also joining us from beautiful Long Island, New York, and yes, folks, that had is how it's pronounced, is Diami Palatki of the penultimate woodshop.com. What do you say, Diami? I'm doubly impressed, Tom. That is twice in a row you've, you've named the website properly, so thank it's you. It's one of these days I knew eventually I'd have to hit it. You know what they say, a broken clock's right twice a day, right? <laughs> it's absolutely true. If you keep typing in URLs, you will eventually get to my blog. <laughs> So, so everything okay in Long Island these days? I'm just giddy as a schoolgirl. Well, I can imagine that. You often have that appearance about you. <laughs> that is why I use the, uh, the Cone Man avatar, because if people saw how excited I actually was, they wouldn't be able to take it. There, there would be issues, definitely, in a big way. Now, also, from north of you, in uh, certainly not least, hailing from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, is Nick don't call him Rick Rouleau of MansfieldFineFurniture.com. Hey, Nick, you still digging that dirty water? Love the dirty water, Tom. How's the water down in Florida? Well, since I work in a city called Clearwater, you know, there's a good chance that it gives you an indication of what's going on with us. <laughs> a little bit a little bit muddy, nevertheless. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's Clearwater. It just, they, they, they're trying to allure you. Like they say, uh, Greenland is, is full of ice. Right. So they're trying to do that. So they figure if it can get you to come to Clearwater, then they think, you know, the water's going to be clear. Yeah, you just offended all of our viewers from Greenland. It, hey, hey, everybody from Greenland, please, I extend my deepest condolences because you're living in the ice. Hey, I've heard we've got a lot from up there. There we go. Yeah, we're, we're popular with the Nunavut. That's right. Is that what they're called? I can't remember which. Now, we're here. We're on the air. We're, we're having a good time. But we need to really know what's going on in everybody's workshop. So, so... Chris, tell us what's going on in your workshop these days. Um, I actually am working on, I had a table uh, with, it's it's an oak table. Uh, I believe it's chestnut oak, but I'm not 100% positive that we had um, cut off some, some land that was on my dad's. Um, it's a big four-inch thick top, and I, I made a, a wrought iron base for it. And I made it, I don't know, probably seven or eight years ago at least, and you know, it's been sitting in the house with a big live oak slab like that. It it it's kind of got uneven. So, so kind of on a spur of the moment, uh, about a week ago, I, I started. Uh, I decided to bring it bring it in the shop and plane the top down on it and uh, try to recondition a little bit. So I've been working on that. I've uh, got it all flattened back out, and I, I threw some bow ties into a few cracks and stuff on it, trying to 
kind of stabilize it a little bit more. It's it's, it's honestly probably more for aesthetics at this point because it's been sitting in the house so long. But but I mean, anyway. bow tie patches are you know I'm telling you that's the way to go when you're dealing with those live slabs. It it it, it looks good and. You know, I, I figure in the house it's probably stabilized in here, but anything else I ever want to do with it, putting those patches in there, I think it'll at least make sure it doesn't doesn't really have a whole lot of movement in the future. you got to love it. Okay, Nick, I see behind you you have your saw tail, and I understand it's not glued together yet. What what are you working on these days? Hopefully getting some glue, right? I should get some glue. i gotta, I got to check with the wood chat people and see what the, the final word is on glues these days. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, the, the saw till was something I worked on a few weeks back and, and haven't come back to. I got distracted. I made myself a couple of nice little carving chisels. I was inspired by some of the uh, the North Bennett Street School students and alums where I saw their, their carving mallets and um, said, you know what, I'm going to make some of my own. I've been using this old carpenter's style mallet, the big square head, real heavy, not good for ha hammering on carving tools um, up till now. So these things are... are Real nice for for hitting the carving tools. I'm kind of afraid to hit them with a nice apple wood that I used, but such well, is life. You, know, you, you can know, make you new ones. Hey, sometimes you got to do it. You know what That's I'm right. saying? That's good. Hey, Diami, I understand you've been uh, you've been out there in the shop too. What what have you been up to these days? Well, we've got the never-ending wall project that still has the shop torn up and pushed against one wall. Uh, then you've got the fact that I can't walk in the shop because I've got all these double two by eight by sixteen beams glued up laying on the floor for my treehouse I'm working on. And since uh, things were getting boring, you know, I, was, I didn't know what to make of myself in the shop. My wife just informed me that for my mother-in-law's birthday in about five weeks, I have to make a quilt rack. So uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to work on in the shop. One of those three tasks, but probably in some sporadic ADD order and no real focus on any of them. I'm liking it. It's good to have, you know, good to have that kind of goal set up that you will be sure to work on them in a random fashion. Yeah, I, I like to have options. Well, that's always the best way to do it when you're in the shop, of course. Speaking about ADD and in the shop, I'm uh, I'm right now uh, currently in a, in a mixed shop, as it were. Um, part of it is uh, still uh, obsessed with the, uh, getting the bathroom that uh, we had to tear out of our house, uh, put back together. We had we had mold behind the tiles, and um, you know, just don't ever go to a go to your uh, bathroom shower and try to pry off one tile because you'll discover everything that's wrong with it. And uh, you'll have to rip the whole thing out. So I, I had to replace the tub. I had to do a plumbing. I had to do all these things. So that step stool I was working on for my mom still on hold right now uh, until I can actually get a shower functioning in the house. We have two bathrooms, which is good. Um, one shower works, but uh, we'd like to get the second bathroom up and running again. How is the bathroom coming? I saw the tub torn out, but that was the last shot I saw of it. Um, you mentioned shot. I think I need a few of those before I go back into the bathroom again because it's just driving me up the wall, and I need something to kind of stabilize the nerves there for a second. <laughs> so there so there we are. Now, okay, so enough, enough of what's on our shops. What, in the great, big, vast world of online woodworking, there's something to pique their interest. Uh, let's, let's talk about this. We, we saw there's something about a tour of Tumblewood Shop, correct? To talk about a wonderful blog that I've been following lately, uh, Vic Hubbard over at tumblewood.blogspot.com finally got off his butt. I know he doesn't do anything in a shop, and he posted a video of his shop. And Vic is one of these guys who, uh, you know, anyone would be envious of his shop and the time he gets to spend it and the beautiful things that come out of his shop. So it's well worth anyone's time to go over to tumblewood.blogspot.com and take an, a nice tour of Vic's shop and see 
what it's like and what you can make uh, when you have the time and energy to, to dedicate into a shop. Into a shop. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you know, Vic is just, uh, you know, that first piece he built was that uh, pendulum cradle. And uh, if you get a chance to go to the Tumblewood site and check his project, that was just unbelievably gorgeous. It was, it was one of those pieces where you just look at it, you try to figure out how he did it. And as a first project, that's just, that's off the leash. Especially considering, you know, usually my first project, you know, like my first project was something that was built on construction plywood. Yeah. <laughs> my first well, piece of furniture was built on MDA, uh, CDX plywood. I know exactly. There you go, you see? There you go. Yeah, everybody's got to enjoy that. I'm the rather, thing is... I'm rather impressed you guys can remember what your first projects were. I have absolutely no idea what mine was. I was, was going to say, I was just sitting here trying to think of that. I cannot remember, but, you know, I grew up with my dad, so... Yeah, you I got a head start. I, I really got I really got going later on in life with this. So I, I was yeah. in my 30s after my first was born. So I remember just coming out to the shop to avoid the screaming and the crying. And that was <laughs> Wait a minute. Life, Actually, so. I do I do remember my first project. I, oh, I really? remember when, when I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know how old I was, five, six years old maybe. And I built this this little box. And, and my dad asked me, he said, what are you building? And I said, it's a cat house. So my whole family gets a cackle out of, of I'm building a cat house. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so they, they thought it was a pretty funny thing. And, and I built it, and it was pretty much some scrap thrown together. And Dad said, there's no way the cat is getting inside that thing. And so I have a picture to this day of that box that my dad took a picture of the next morning with the cat inside of that box. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, it got in there. So, yeah, anyway. cats, I'm telling you. <laughs> we, so, we digress, sorry. But, yes, but we digest. <laughs> so, but, yeah, you get a chance, definitely, definitely be sure to swing by Vic's, uh, Vic's site over at tumblewood.com. I believe that's where it is. Um, the other thing is there's a big milestone coming up in the online woodworking community. And, uh, and uh, Diami, what, what, what is this? What's happening over with Mark's well, site? Our good friends over at Wood Talk Online, um, Matt and Shannon and Mark, are going to celebrate their 100th episode of Wood Talk Online on yeah. the next episode. And I believe, uh, I believe one of our co-hosts here we kind of stole from their tip bin. Who, me? <laughs> no, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just think about 100. I mean, in, you know, when did Wood Talk Online debut? I mean, that was, that was a long time ago. Was yeah. it 07 or 08? It was a long time ago, especially when they were going those runs of one show every three, five, ten weeks. Um, right. But they've really yeah. stepped it up lately with the with the new show every two weeks, and they seem to be hitting that regular stride very well. So, assuming they're able to keep that pace up, then the next show should be on June twenty seventh. But they haven't formally announced it, and I believe their next show is calling. And I'm unclear as to whether it's going to be live calling or pre-recorded, but they're going to have a bit of a 100th episode celebration. So everybody really needs to go over to woodtalkonline.com and check out, well, the, the nice forum over there that they've been nice enough to share with us, the Modern Woodworkers Association, but also the, the whole podcast and, and catch up from the beginning because it's well worthwhile. And as you get to the mid-20s in terms of episode numbers, you'll hear uh, Mark and Matt discuss cutting PVC trim with a woodworker two table saw blade, and they're both little girlies about it, and neither one was willing to do it, and that will always strike in my head because I was cutting PVC with a woodworker two as I nice. listened to that podcast, <laughs> and PVC cuts like butter, fellas. You can use any blade you want in it. It is beautiful <laughs> to mill. Um, so check out the next episode of Wood Talk Online. It's going to be a great milestone. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, you know, you take a look at, you know, you've got two of the big names there with, with Matt and, and Mark and then also Ed Shannon on there. Don't forget him. And you've got, you've got uh, the trifecta right there. Oh, some uh, some big names there. So, um, also, Nick, I understand there's uh, something else we want to talk about. Tom McLaughlin site. Yeah, so Tom McLaughlin is uh, part of the New Hampshire Furniture Masters uh, group, and he's going to be um, joining us for uh, uh, an event in in Concord, New Hampshire, in uh, late August to do a tour of their new, their their exhibit and uh, some some video commentary for us. Um, but what's what's interesting is he just posted a uh, an update on his site experiencewoodworking.com, where he talks about the inspirations for his um, his new easy chair. I think he calls it easy chair number one. Real clever clever name, but it's a beautiful chair. <laughs> Something definitely worth checking out. Uh, Tom Tom is somebody uh, I think uh, Diami and I met at um, at Wood Expo this past year. Yeah. Super duper nice guy and a really Unbelievable woodworker. Um, he's got a school up there in Canterbury, New Hampshire, which is um, home to one of the Shaker villages. Uh, someplace that, if if you're uh, if you're interested in taking a class, his shop is one to take a look at. Okay, sweet. SiteExperienceWoodworking.com. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, I've been to that site, and I'll tell you, that's that's really one of those ones you really want to swing by. Take a look at what's in there because wow, there's some really good stuff there. Without a doubt, that is quite a chair. Yeah, seriously, I'm, I'm telling you, that's some work put into. That's one of those top, one of those uh, projects I'm always, uh, always intimidated to try. And some what's sort really a chair? What's really, really phenomenal. If you watch the video he puts in, um, he really talks about how he went through some of the design and and pulling off the the process of making the chair. And it's it's incredible the amount of detail that goes into the chair and how much he shares about it. It's it's well worth the watch. No, definitely. You know, anytime you see somebody walk you through the process, just sit down, take some notes. I mean, it really just helps you get get your thoughts together and see how another woodworker would do it. So definitely. Um, now, uh, what you know, Chris, you know, being that we're the Modern Woodworkers Association, we're starting to get clubs around the country and really around in other countries as well, around the world. Um, what are some of the odd things that are going that are coming up in some of the local chapters? Yeah, Tom. Um, I mean, one thing I want to say on that r real quick too is, is I mean, it's pretty exciting right now. There's there's actually quite a few different chapters that are starting up. So, um, you know, definitely go to the site, pay attention, and and look at some of the chapters that are going to start. And if if you're interested in starting one yourself, uh, by all means, send us an email and and let's uh, let's get one started and get one going in your area. Uh, right now, we've got on uh, on Saturday, um, June the thirtieth. Uh, there's a Seattle. Uh, chapter meeting going on. It's at one o'clock, and it's at Hardwick's Rust and Dust. Uh, okay. Looks like they're gonna they're gonna have a lunch uh, at, at a restaurant to be announced. I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but they're uh, they're gonna we'll have an announcement on the site for that, and and you can you can go uh, find out information on Hardwick's um, at www.ehardwick's.com, um, and you can find some event details. On our site at um, www.modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Um, also, I, I always mention that every month here in Atlanta, we do we do our um, monthly meeting. It's the second Saturday of each month. 
we we meet at Boulevard Diner. It's off Hawkenbridge Road. We meet at nine o'clock for breakfast on that second Saturday. Um, definitely, anybody that's in the area, come out and join us. Um, and and some other stuff. There's there's another thing, Nick. Nick, um, it's the the Nagwick thing. What tell us about the Nagwick thing here? Naga, Naga, N-A-G gallery. Naga. I'm combining them. So Naga. Uh, I posted not too long ago on the MWA website, modernwoodworkersassociation.com, uh, about Furniture with Soul. It's an exhibit they've got going on um, with, with a handful of makers uh, based around a book um, called Furniture with Soul. It, we're going to have a meetup in one of the next few Saturdays. Um, the date is still TBD. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it, so I'm, I'm actually looking for, for a volunteer Boston area. Um, member to, to kind of head it up or uh, at least be the point person for getting getting people in touch with one another. Um, if you're interested in doing that, get in touch with me. Uh, the show runs until mid-July at the Naga Gallery on Newbury Street in Boston. Um, we're going to try to get over there to do uh, a meetup and, and uh, stay tuned for details on that. Yeah, definitely details to come on that trip. So if you're in that New England-Boston area um, and you can make a swing on by, it's definitely worth the trip for sure. Now, as we move in to the middle of our presentation, um, one of the things I want to start talking about is today's main topic. Now, we, you know, we, we, do, we cover a lot of things here in, uh, in the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion. We talk about books and we talk about... Uh, Building techniques and furniture styles, and we've been on the uh, we've done some interviews. One of the things I want to talk about is some of our favorite tools, and and I kind of bandied this idea around with 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 the with the folks here on on screen with me. And um, one of the things we decided was we we're going to talk about our three favorite tools. Now, it's, it's three favorite. First of all, they've got to be woodworking tools. Okay, let's let's set the ground rules. And the second thing is, rather than just say, okay, my router, my router, and my router, or something like that. One of the tools has to be a measuring tool. One has got to be a hand tool, and one has to be a power tool. So, anybody want to lead off? Anybody got something that jumps to mind? Which I'll category? You want. Which category you want to start with? Let's start with the measuring Here's, tools. There we go. Uh, all right, I, I'll start. Right, I'll start out on it, and, and and I'm going to give the one that's the pretty much. This is the one that. I was reluctant because it's boring, because it's, you, you hear a lot about it. But honestly, my six-inch rule is still my favorite um, because I use it. I mean, I use it a lot. I keep, keep it laying on the bench in my hand a lot. I use it for when I'm marking something. So it's kind of boring, but to, to be honest, I, I like my six-inch rule, and, and I use it use it a lot. I need to take objection to that because there's nothing boring about this because, uh, as you just said, it's something that gets used all the time, so it's purely functional. But I'm not sure what Tom's going to say, but I'm pretty sure we're going to come up with four different measuring tools. So and that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Just to open up, open up everybody's eyes. What do, we, what do we go with? If we're each identifying different measuring tools, how can this be boring? We're all fascinating folk. <laughs> What's a more compelling topic what? than measuring tools? <laughs> All right, Diami. Yeah, I mean, well, since you want to pipe up, what's your favorite measuring right. tool? My favorite measuring tool is my woodpecker six-inch tri-square. It is machined out of a single piece of aluminum. 
and Rob from Woodpeckers is more passionate about milling aluminum than we are about woodworking. Uh, and it is just a beauty to use and behold. It's fairly light, it's small, it's compact, it's dead square. You can run a pencil or a knife against it. It is absolutely the most used measuring reference in my shop. Okay, so you want to make sure you keep things square. Now, you know, obviously, if things go out of square, then your whole project could be ruined. And I, Lord knows I've been there enough. That's what those mallets Nick made are for. Yeah, they, they knock things back in a square. So that, that, that's, that's, I mean, it, you know, it looks like a high-quality tool. It really does, Diami. There, I, I, you know, Woodpex is one of those things, kind of like Festool, where people are on board or not, and they're very expensive. Um, but what sold me was actually talking to uh, Rich, who runs Woodpeckers at a Woodwork in America a couple of years ago, and the energy he puts into designing and making these things, and the man hours that it actually takes to mill one of these things out of aluminum is just ridiculous. And when I learned how hard they were to make, the cost all of a sudden really made sense. And I've got a drawer full of them now, and they're they're just they're really nice tools. I I highly recommend them to anybody. Sweet. Sounds I, like sounds like a good investment in the right kind of tool. I, I hope so, because uh, I'm gonna add a bunch of money if it's not. <laughs> Diami, when you when you're marking with a with an aluminum blade on the on the square with a steel bladed marking knife, do you ever find that it it gouges the aluminum? No, I use an exacto knife as a marking knife. I don't have the issue some people have with the fact that it's double beveled. It doesn't really matter. You hold it to a slight side and it works. Um, and a flexible blade on an exacto knife is not enough to do any damage to this thing. And if you're watching a video. It's about a quarter inch thick, the blade of it, um, yeah. and it's you're not you're not hurting this with a thin knife. You got a real knife, you could probably nick it, but I'm not marking with a with a giant blade. I'm marking with a tiny little blade. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from people who use you know a big you know a marking knife, eighth inch thick steel, whether or not the and the, and the aluminum blade uh, squares if they ever get that sort of the nicks when the when the blade wants to follow the grain and rides up the the rides up the blade of the of the square. And the reason I the reason I say it is that I have my old trusty 12-inch Starret as my favorite mar measuring tool. Um, this is something I use for everything. Like Chris said, I use it for for measuring out depths, widths, lengths, you know, setbacks, square, marking, dovetails. Everything is based off of this guy right here. So, uh, you know, Starret 12-inch square um, do you need to start? No, probably not. But if you're going to invest in one good tool that you're going to use for everything, I would put my money on a start any day. Yeah, when you think about all the cheap, yeah, you think about all the cheap tools you could have bought. You buy one good quality one, like the woodpecker or the start, and you can turns out you can end up with with a tool you use for the next fifty years. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to comment about the start, you don't need to invest in a start per se or a woodpecker's per se. But if you want quality you're in that price range anyway. You know, I think that right. the Lee Valley and the Veritas rules are, are almost close to Star. There's a tiny difference, but they're basically there. But they're also basically there in price. You're going to save $5 on that square, so it's going to be, you know, what is it, 70 versus 75 or something like that. They're, right. they're both very expensive. So uh, I would agree the Star is well worth the money. And, and I'll say, Nick, I, I actually almost chose my 12-inch Star is as mine, and, and uh, I, I, I went back, but I, I have to agree, that is a good tool. I mean, you know, I, I love mine. I came, I came with a second choice, because I figured all of you guys would pick the 12-inch start, so my, my, my bevel gauge is my second one. Uh, <laughs> I'll it's, speak it's close to second. start for a second. I have, I have one also, 
I've never used it. Really? I use my, I, use, I do use I have four of these in 6, 12, 24, and some other size. And then I have the ones that's not the, uh, not the, doesn't do the 45 degree the way this, that star does. It's just the smaller 4 and 6 inch ones that only do 90 degree. I use those little ones all the time. I never take out the 12 inch one. So hmm. how do you do your 45s? With a 45 square. I have a Japanese 45 square. Oh. Well, doesn't that do Japanese 45 degrees? It, yeah, but it's stainless steel, so when I run a blade against it, it all melts together. It's a mess. It's a metric. I love it. I it's love a metric. It. Right. Now, yeah, it's a metric 45 degrees. <laughs> okay, now for me, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a going a different way. Um, for me, you know, I recently posted on my site about, you know, using uh, touch to, to measure things. Um, and what I do is my favorite measuring tool are actually a set of setup blocks I picked up from Lee Valley. Um, the kit comes with the one, two, three block, which is one inch by two inch by three inches. And then you get all the little marking bars from, uh, from a sixteenth of an inch all the way up to three quarters of an inch. And I found that, you know, if I really need to set something accurately, the, the, uh, the, the depth of a router bit, or if I need to uh, do something like set the, 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 the rip fence on my table saw really, really accurately, what I can do is I can just set this block in there as though it's, it's idiot proof. And Lord knows I'm a big enough idiot as it is. So if I don't have to, you know, make sure that something's right on a mark, for me it's easy and it's really quick too. So I, I'm really a big fan of those. I like those setup blocks because they end up using them for a lot of different things. The setup blocks are fantastic, Tom, and don't limit yourself to just when you need to be accurate. Even when you're doing quick things or things that have a little bit of fudge room, they're still often the fastest way to do it. Oh yeah, I mean you throw out, you know, uh, if you need five sixteenths, you know, instead of getting it out and trying to line everything up, it's just the sixteenth and a half, and boom, you're there. So it works a lot for me. I like it. I just, I just like those babies. And uh, I tell you, setting up router plunge depths and all that other business, man, it just beats the tar out of everything out there. They're good at table saw fence, also. Yeah, I do that a lot. Now, since we've covered our measuring, now you're going to go out there, you got to measure. The next thing you've got to talk about is your favorite hand tool. Now, of course, a hand tool, by definition, is a tool that you use your glute power on to actually do some work. So we're talking anything that doesn't have a tail on it. So uh, now, Nick, I know you use a lot of uh, hand tools. So what, what, are you, what are you getting at? What's your favorite hand tool? Uh, I brought two just in case this is a duplicate, but since I'm going first, the other guys will have to come come up with <laughs> spare ideas. This is my uh, my refurbished Stanley uh, Bailey four and a half smooth bottom plane. This is my favorite tool, not because of the plane itself, although it's got a nice heft and it's good to you know it does it does everything you need it to do. What I like about best is that I have a brand new Hawk iron in here with the hot chip breaker that I ground I ground to give a 55 degree uh, cut angle. This thing can handle pretty much any grain I've ever thrown at it and leaves it so silky smooth that I rarely ever have to go back and, and smooth it. Um, when I do, my second choice was my little Stanley cabinet scraper. Hey, those, are, those are handy, aren't they? <laughs> I won't say more about that. Uh, that would be cheating. Because <laughs> I know down the line we got somebody who's going to be using one of those scrapers. Uh, Chris, what, what's your favorite? What's your favorite hand tool? Um, I actually went back and forth on this one. I actually, it, it, it originally, um, w w I originally was going to say my my number seven Lee Nelson, but then I got to thinking about it, and I got to thinking about my woodworking and how my woodworking has kind of evolved over the years. 
And I remember when, when I was growing up, and and you know I learned woodworking from my dad, and you know, and it was it was primarily a a power tool machine job. Um, and when I was probably I don't know I was probably 16 years old, uh, my dad built a uh, he did an addition on a, on a house, and um, the the people that he did the addition on they they have a son named Philip Baldwin, and Philip is a fairly well-known blacksmith and and he does a lot of and he made a set of chisels for my dad and it's it's a set of three uh, there's a um, there's a quarter inch a half and and a, and a one inch um, set of chisels that are all pre-world war two steel and I absolutely love these things and the, and the biggest reason because it was kinda what got me started in hand tools so um, I, I I love those things and and what's what's funny about it and I I'm actually planning on writing a blog post on this because um, I recently um, got in touch with this guy I'd never spoke with this guy I'd never talked emailed anything with him and so I asked my dad you know what his name was and stuff and and I looked him up and and I found a uh, a website that the guy does and it's called uh, shiningwave.com. And he um, he he basically he makes Damascus you know you know layered steel and stuff like that and, and sells it. So uh, I, I love these chisels. I mean they stay super sharp and uh, I, I don't know. I'm just that's that's kind of my what got me started in handles. You know I tell you you know a good set of chisels will take you so many different places. You know and have something with a story like that just it, it means more than just going out and buying a set of something at the at the woodworking store, right? Yep, I mean, have that history there too. Right, it's no, a lot it's, to be said about that. The, the history is a lot of it. I mean, because you know, there's a lot of sentimental value in there. So, definitely, gotta like it. Okay, Diami, you're primarily a power tool guy, but what kind of hand tools you got out there? It's funny you introduced me that way because I was in the shop before this, looking for a hand tool that would be the most appropriate thing, and the first half dozen things I picked were actually marking tools. Um, so I like to mark by hand uh, but then it dawned on me what I absolutely fell in love with the last hand tool I really used a lot of is my uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw up the pronunciation Aural, Aural? Aru. Aru. these Aru guys the French made yeah. rasps um, absolutely fantastic uh, I, I used it to shape the wands I made in the fall my wife and her sister uh, went out to see that last Harry Potter movie, and I made him some wands to take with him, and um, I basically just shaped the wand with four bandsaw cuts, and then did the entire rest of it with the rasp, uh, and certainly put a lot of sweat into it, but what you can do with those rasps is just amazing, and they, they move a lot of material quickly, they leave a relatively smooth finish, it is just an absolutely lovely hand tool, and using it, I think I'm going to put more curves and, and subtle shapes into my work, so... This is certainly my, my favorite hand tool right now is my rest. And, you know, Diami, last woodworking in America, we actually got to see uh, Michelle Aru yes. uh, hand-stitch those, uh, those rasps. Those things are not what you buy on the shelf in the local Home Depot or Lowe's. Those things are handmade, and those things are beautiful pieces of art almost to hold in your hand. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, I'm, I'm oogling it right now. I don't, have, I don't have the link handy, but if, if anybody's interested in watching a video they put out, uh, or your two tool works um, on YouTube shows their their entire process for making these things, and it's absolutely astounding. And it, and you can see that they're worth every penny just by the 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 amount of work that goes into making one of these things. 
Um, Diami, what what size did you get? They, they come in different different tooth counts or pitches or numbers or. It's a nine. Nine is that? I don't know what nine means, but it says nine on the back. I think it's the medium one. Nerf. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, now I understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> now in my shop, the hand tool that I love the most, and I and I try to get it out as much as possible, is is my spoke shave. Um, it's an old spoke shave I picked up. It's a Stanley 151, and um. I'll tell you, man, that uh, that sucker. You know, when you're if putting any sort of curve on anything, that spoke shave is just addictive. Um, I've got a hock iron in it. I replaced my original iron with a hock iron, and um, they can hone that thing really sharp. And man, I'll tell you, you know, it is just a pleasure to work with. You get something in the vise, um, and and you start pulling on that spoke shave, and man, that is just a piece of machinery. That thing is just you. You, you pull both handles, and you can just get the smoothest curves. Um, you can just feel, I mean, it, when, when, it, when it's nice and sharp, I mean, you run your hand over it. There's no sanding. There's no scraping required. I mean, that just leaves a nice, glossy surface to work with. Anybody else use a spoke shave? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, I, I hadn't thought of those, but th those are ones that I just picked up a set of the, uh, the Lee Valley ones, and they're absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's just when you think about, you know, and... Um, and you need to get that curve nice and fair, man. Boy, there's just something about that. Plain, grabbing that spoke shave and going right in on it, you get the smoothest, just sleekest curves on those things. It's awesome to work with. I've got the uh, the, the Lee Nelson with the, the curved bottom on it, and, yeah, I, I agree. I, I love that thing. I use mine a lot. Yeah, when you get out there, you're doing that kind of stuff. Now, of course... Some of us don't rely solely on hand tools to do our work. And, and when you get the power tools, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of choices out there. Um, you know, and most of us, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, most of us actually started out like Diami and, and seeing, thinking that, you know, watching Norm and seeing power tools and saying, okay, that's what a woodworking shop's all about. My dad had a table saw, had a bandsaw, all that other business. So, so your favorite power tool uh, Diami, where, where do you where do you stand on this? You've got to start with Diami. Yeah, <laughs> Diami's got to jump in. That's right. Well, at some point, it's like choosing my favorite child. <laughs> uh, so it's going to depend on how they all behave this evening. Um, so I'm not going to say this is still going to be my favorite when we talk next. But what is my current favorite is my newest router. I've got a Dewalt one and a quarter uh, horse the little mini router and the waltz kit comes with a plunge base and a fixed base and it's fantastic. It's got plenty of power for the size. It's fairly lightweight. It's very well balanced. It's unbelievably maneuverable and with the dust shroud, that's extra for the waltz. It's an extra 20 bucks or something. But with the dust shroud, it collects dust equal or better than the Festool routers that I own. And it has really? the advantage of having LED lights built into it and a clear base, which the Festools don't have. And uh, when I was actually speaking with Al DeVos last week, there were some comments about how much Festool I have. And I like Festool for a lot of reasons, but I have two Festool routers, and I've decided, having used them now, I don't like their routers, because you're routing blind. The dust collection mm -hmm. and the f bottom on the, on the Festool router, you can't see the bit while you're using it. And this thing with the clear bases... You have beautiful sight lines. You can see everything you're doing, and it's just it's a it's a fantastic little router. And the whole kit, I think I got on Amazon for about 175 bucks, so it's not terribly expensive. 
if you're just getting into it, I would actually <laughs> recommend this as a great beginner router because if you're just starting, you don't need the, the monster horsepower, and this is and, very and Diami, easy to control. And Diami, the, the, the bonus on that router, and I, I've got a router kit as well with multiple bases. I mean, you want to get a good router, you can you can use the fixed base, a plunge base. Those kits are really just handy as can be, right? Oh, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. The only limit to this with the small horsepower is that you're restricted to quarter-inch shafts on your router bits, which does have some limitations. But for simple things like roundovers, and what I've got chucked in it right now is a quarter-inch carbide uh, up-spiral bit, which I just use to hog out material, and I use it to make mortises and recesses and things. And I've been doing it just by eye because uh, you have such good sight lines, and it's so easy to control. If I don't have a perfectly straight line, I just clean it up with a chisel when I'm done. But it's it's been a pleasure to use this thing since I got it. Good, definitely. Okay, Chris, what's your favorite power tool? Um, I would have to say, and, and this is kind of one that, you know, you listen to a lot of shops and stuff and what, what people say that they think you need and don't need in the shop, and, and a lot of people say they don't need this in the shop. But um, I actually love my drill press. Um, hmm. it, I know that that's one that everybody says, well, I use my drill press Constantly, it's it's one of those things that you know if I'm if I'm doing mortises, you know I set the drill press up. I've got good straight holes, so it, it gives me a nice uh, straight base for my mortises and stuff. And and um, one of the things I put on it years ago, I've I've got uh, I've got some of these 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 drum um, type sanding oh, drum things yeah. That, that yeah I use those things all the time. I've got two different sizes of them. And as much as anything, I use them for that a lot. So when I'm shaping things, if, if I need to kind of do a quick, you know, smooth out or something like that, I'll, I'll do kind of a, a, a quick once over with that. And uh, so it, it's it's kind of a funny tool that um, I actually didn't want to say that my drill press was probably my favorite power tool. But uh, quite honestly, I probably use it more than any other power tool in the shop. Interesting, very interesting, and you know it's it's kind of interesting how the heart <laughs> of the shop kind of rotates the different tools every so often. Now, Nick, what, uh, what what's going on in your shop? What's your favorite well, power the, tool? The, the drill press is is a good option. I don't think I use it quite as much as Chris, but uh, the the one power tool that I use more than any, and I rely on for lots and lots and lots of different operations, is the bandsaw. Um, I've got a, a a little 14 inch Grizzly with a riser block on it. And with the riser block, I, I don't think it's much more than a horsepower motor. Uh -huh. um, but with a decent blade on it, I can I can um, restall logs. And, and I actually spent Father's Day finally, finally after five years taking care of some of the logs that I I had a bunch of trees taken down years ago. Had the logs drying, and I I said, you know what, I need to process all this stuff into into usable wood. So I. I uh, I probably went through about three or four hundred pounds of of logs and made usable wood from it uh, in just a couple of hours. And, and, and like I said, I use it for everything. I use it for rip cuts. I use I use it for cross cuts, curve cuts. Uh, you know, you know Nick, it's Nick, such a versatile tool. Nick, it's kind of funny. Carrie Holtman is a, is a primarily, if not almost totally, a hand tool woodworker. But again, her favorite power tool she she said several times is the is the bandsaw. Do you think it is a favorite of hand tool woodworkers? I don't. I don't want to venture to to speak for all hand tool woodworkers. Well, sure, I'm, I'm but actually, just generally. I'm actually not solely a hand tool worker. I, I, you know, I'm more of a hybrid. I like to do a lot of the finishing stuff by hand. Okay. But but the brute force stuff, 
I'll go to the planer, the table saw, the chop saw, and the band saw to, to get, get it done, you know, the joiner, to get it done quickly so I can get to the fun stuff, which is the hand tool. <laughs> That's the stuff with the skill, right? And I've dem Lord knows I've demonstrated my lack of skill with hand tools, so... <laughs> I don't know. They they tell they tell they, they tell me there's skill involved. I'm not so sure yet. Yeah, there we go. One of these days we'll figure out. We'll have to get a we we'll have to get a judgment from the uh, from the from the panel there. Oh boy, you know I look at all my power tools in my shop, and I'm standing in my shop right now doing this. And and you know what do I use every day or every time I'm in the shop? You know this table saw. I love that thing. And the and I you know I just recently set up my my chop saw on a, on a stand. But for me, the the oddest the oddest probably power tool you're going to hear is my thickness planer. Um, I, I dig that thing so much now. I bought a new thickness planer early in the year, and it's a rigid. Uh, it, it's a 13-inch. It's a two-knife rigid, just a standard edition one. And, boy, does that thing. You know, there's something exciting about going from rough boards to smooth boards that are ready to work with. I mean, it is just when you finally get a look at that, that grain, you get a look at, the, uh, at any figure in the wood, I mean, it's an exciting moment. It's almost like, you know, unwrapping a present, really, when you think about it. And, uh, you know, that thing, you know, yeah, I, I, I hit the things. I, I don't have a joiner in my shop, so I typically use a lot of hand tools to get the things jointed. But once I get into the uh, thickness planing and I actually get that board ready to work with, man, that thing is just exciting to work with. You know, it's a, it's kind of a, kind of an ox. It's kind of a brute force tool, but, whew, there's something to be said about what what it spits out on the other end. And that, my friends, is the joy of woodworking right there. Planer's a good one too. There's so many good tools. This is a hard question. It, well, it is. You know, it's it's, it's all what you use at the spot. moment. Right. I'm putting you on the spot. We could do this every <laughs> week and have different answers every yeah, week. Yeah, ask me again in a half hour. Guaranteed. Right. <laughs> Well, you know what? That's the beauty about it, you know. And I'm sure we're going to get some discussion on this uh, as people listen to the podcast. They're going to probably weigh in. Um, do we have any from the audience right now? As a matter of fact, we don't. Are there any questions? I, I was I was actually late in posting the questions. What's your favorite power tool? Um, by the end of the broadcast, we'll probably have one. But just a reminder for people who who uh, may be viewing this or listening to this after the fact: um, Modern Woodworkers Podcast is now recorded live. So if you're following along on Twitter, you can tweet us your questions. If you're following on, along live, your, your, co your comments are always welcome. Um, you can view the videos on YouTube. You can view the videos on the Google Plus stream. Um, just circle the Modern Woodworkers Association Google Plus page. Um, there's a ton of different ways. Watch the, tweet the tweeting from MWA National uh, and send us your comments, your questions. Any anything you want us to get on there, we'll try to get to it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Nick, while I've got you here, um, we, do we have anything set up for next pod, the next broadcast topic? I understand that there may be a special guest uh, or two in the next in the next few weeks. Though we have to work out the details in terms of schedules because of the July Fourth holiday, we will make an announcement as soon as we know what the date is and who the the special guest is going to be. But stay tuned for that because I think it's going to be a good one. Correct me if yeah, I'm definitely. wrong there, Nick, but I believe we're venturing into unknown territory now and we're going to go to people who don't work for Taunton. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's explore those new opportunities out there. That's all i got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, should be, it should be a good one. It should be a good one. Yeah, I guarantee some of the names we've been throwing around and who've, been, who've expressed interest are ones you definitely don't want to miss. 
to, to speak to that while keeping our, our viewer in, in suspense about who it is we're talking about, you talk about the, the people who we've been in contact with who are willing to come on. I think that just speaks to the community in general, that the, the caliber of people who are willing and who we're going to embarrass on the show, that they're willing <laughs> to put up with us, it says a lot for the character of a, of a lot of the woodworkers out there. Mostly right. we just embarrass ourselves. I'm, I'm digging that for sure. <laughs> and with that, it's just about time for us to wrap up the show. I'm Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com and at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. Uh, Chris, where can you be found? Uh, of course, I'm Chris Adkins. Uh, you can find me at HighRockWoodworking.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at HighRockWW. Um, and I'm pretty much a lot of the other places, so uh, pretty much anywhere. Seek and, she, seek and you shall find, right? That, that's, that's pretty much it. It's not hard to find. <laughs> Diami, where, where, where can we find you? Well, I, I've been Diami Plotke of Penultimate Woodshop. Woodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke. That's at D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E on the Twitters. And you can find me uh, on Google Plus under Diami Plotke and at ModernWoodworkAssociation.com and many other places lurking and creeping among the interwebs. On the Twitters? On the Twitters. I am the on Twitters. the Twitters. I'm all over the Twitters. Is that somewhere I, I, on the Internet? I, in the Internet. I'm just, I just have the vapors when you talk like that. <laughs> and, and Nick, where, where can we find you, Nick? I'm at MansfieldFineFurniture.com. Uh, and I hang out on Twitter a lot of time at Mansfield, at Man's Fine Fern. Man's Fine Fern. Man's Fine Fern. Okay, is that so something to Twitter. do with horticulture or fine fern? Sorry. F U R N Fern. <laughs> you, you're really going to go there. Out out Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And, right, and hey, guys, it hey guys, I just want to uh, to thank Neil Becker, who was our our lone viewer for the night. Hopefully, he's still still nice. on. And thank you for watching the thank whole thing. Thank you, Neil. You get a special prize whenever we uh, find some funds to get prizes for people. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> right now, just accept our undying appreciation. <laughs> hey, we can send something. Tell Neil to tell tell Neil to send us an email. We'll find something for him. We'll, we'll find you. I, I know Neil, I like Neil, but I think we might be sending a dangerous precedent because the week that four people listen, we're going to be out of things to give away. <laughs> we're going to be broken. No, we only get special. We, we, it's just every once in a while. The thing is, we had four viewers this time, which means that some of you guys weren't watching. If Neil was watching, <laughs> one of you guys was, was, was not watching. <laughs> you Nobody guys said we were interested. <laughs> Neil, thank you for thinking right. we're interesting. Yeah, th thanks for hanging with us for, through all our glitches as we as we made our way through. <laughs> now, if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com for up-to-the-minute happenings in the many different chapters. And if you want to start a chapter of your own, just click the Join the, the MWA tab at the top. And remember, membership is free, but the connections you make will be priceless. I'm resident shop monkey Tom Iavina wishing you happy sawdust.